I want to start off this episode by saying thank you to everyone who showed me love after the first episode. I uh, hope you guys enjoy this one as much as I enjoyed making it. You know those co-workers that you're just so glad that you met? The ones that you'd be excited to see at work every day? Yeah, those are the best because they're unexpected. You're both there for the same reason, trying to make money, not friends. But when they end up being one of your best friends, it's cool because you guys connect on a personal level and a professional level. I met Mike at my first job after college. We were financial advisors at a firm called TFG. On this episode, we talk about our job search post-college, about our careers now, and some things we learned along the way. So without further ado, here is one of my best friends, Mike. I went to Chico State, so a lot of my job offers right out of school were San Francisco, Bay Area, and I grew up in SoCal, so I kind of wanted to get back to SoCal. And this opportunity came up to work at uh, this company called TFG that I worked with you at. And um, it seemed like a really good opportunity, you know, work as a financial advisor. The way it was was, uh, sold to me essentially was, was that, you know, you can make your own income, set your own hours. It's a lot of work, but the, the rewards are there. And uh, so I started that and met you. And then we we essentially were making cold calls, like 500 cold calls a day. <laughs> did you like it? Uh, in the beginning, I did. You know, I thought there were, I mean, it was a, it was a company of, of salespeople, right? So like they, they sold it really well as, as like what I was just saying. And um, it seemed like an opportunity that, we could actually, you know, have our own practice and advise people about money, which I think is something we're both passionate about. And I liked it in the beginning, but then, you know, they put us in into a small room. I think the room was like 15 feet by 15 feet with like mirrors on on all sides. And we were just making like hundreds of cold calls a day. It didn't seem too hard at the time, right? No. And, and there was there were some people in that firm that had had done it. And, you know, it seemed like they were doing really well for themselves, but it it didn't seem like the financial advisor role that I, I dreamed of as being like actual advice and like looking to help people. It seemed more of like a, I'm trying to make sales. It was more like a sales job. Yeah, it was, it was a sales job with no base salary and 100% commission. So like we, we were just dialing for literally any any income that we could get, which wasn't, wasn't a lot as, I mean, what were we? 22. Yeah. 22 22 right out of college college. trying to tell people that we knew what they were, what they should be doing with their money. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I feel like I learned a lot doing that. I feel like I learned more about like me Mm -hmm. after that. I I got another sales job, um, doing, you know, calls like that. Um, I was honestly killing it there. You know, I was top two in sales within the first month, but I got over the sales job pretty quickly just because it was so tiring. Um, so I looked for more jobs and then I got this job at Raytheon. Yeah. Was that, was that position, did they give you a base salary? Yeah. It was hourly plus commission. Yeah. See, see, and I think that's, 
that's a more sustainable thing. Like if you're, if you're into sales and into doing that sort of prospecting, I think that's a bit more sustainable, whether it's, I mean, you could be selling bankruptcies, you could be selling copiers, you know, as long as you've got some sort of base salary. Yeah, I agree with you. I think having that base pay really just gives you a cushion like, okay, if I don't make any sales today, you know, I still make money. And the commission really gives you an incentive to work harder, you know, for the sales, obviously. But I think if it's your own business and, you know, your own book of business, it's hard to go a day without making any sales because you're literally not making any money. So if you only get paid through your own book of business, it gets, you know, kind of hectic and scary. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I want to go back to our first job at TFG real quick. Um, some people said the hardest part would be passing the tests and getting certified. Uh, was that part hard for you or how did you think it was? No, because I had just gotten out of college. I could see how it would be really hard for somebody that, you know, has been out of school for 10, 15 years or whatever and went, went back and tried to take these, you know, the series seven for us was a seven hour long exam before they split it into two. Um, you want to go ahead and explain what the Series 7 and 66 is for the people? Yeah, so the Series 7 essentially gets you licensed as a stockbroker to like make commission on sales of securities, whether that's mutual funds or individual stocks. And then the Series 66 is what licenses you to charge a fee because we worked for a, a fee-based financial firm where they would charge... A certain fee which they essentially made up and and would charge that fee to manage a certain person's money for per year and so series 7 is stockbroker license series 66 licenses you to charge a set fee for the advice itself not necessarily the trades how was the studying for you personally i didn't think it was too hard you know i did have long days where i studied like eight hours but you know the material would wasn't too hard you know I definitely had studied harder things before what about you what'd you think of it I mean we both majored in finance so it was like things that I was familiar with and because I had just gotten out of school I just locked myself in a Panera and just studied for like six hours a day for like a month and a half you know yeah I think uh taking those exams right after college was a a pretty good transitional phase for us just because, you know, we were already used to all that studying. What about the job itself for you, the financial advisor role? Um, how'd you like it? I was really excited when I got the job. I mean, the way the way it was sold to us, they're definitely salespeople, you know? So I think the only thing for me that I, I took away from that job, I mean, one, getting my Series 7 and Series 66 helped me secure a job in the future because now I work for commercial real estate research and analytics firm where they required those licenses. So it was nice to go into that sort of position. My position now is salary. And so it was nice to go into that position knowing like I'm qualified to do this job because I had those licenses, did all those different exams and studying. But I think going straight out of college to a commission only job was, was the mistake I made. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like I should have read the writing on the wall a little bit better there. (laughs) Yeah. But I I don't know. I feel like that was a good, that was a good little stepping stone for us, you know? Absolutely. Like, I don't know. How many jobs have you had after that? 
Um, so we left Tax and Financial Group, and then I tried to stick it out with the financial advisor type career, and I ended up working for another firm, which was a larger firm, which I thought might have more credibility, you know, thought I might be able to make it happen. It was definitely the same same thing in regards to cold calls, but the one nice thing about um, working for Principal, Principal Financial Group, which is a large insurance firm, so I worked for the advisory arm of it. Um, the nice thing about that was that there was sort of the brand name. I mean, a lot of people had their retirement accounts with Principal, so you had those leads. You had a lot of people with life insurance from Principal, so it was a recognizable name. Um, and the other advantage to being at Principal was that there was advisors willing to take me under my wing. So when I was doing cold calls at the the second advisor job that I had, um, when I would make an appointment, I had an advisor go, go with me essentially that had been doing the job for 20 years. I mean, he had a whole, whole career before this to build up connections and everything. Um, but he essentially was the, the guy with the gray, gray hair and the experience. Cause one of the things I learned really quickly is that, Nobody wants to listen to a 22-year-old boy that just got out of, out of college, which I should have known earlier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think overall, as a, as a stepping stone, those two jobs were really helpful to me, mainly for those securities licenses, because the, the job I have now is something I really like. And my job right now is also a stepping stone. What do you do now, if you want to let the people know? Yeah, so I work for a uh, commercial real estate research and analytics firm. So we essentially write research on publicly traded REITs, which is real estate investment trusts. So we have about 80 financial analysts that are constantly monitoring those REITs, write buy, sell, hold recommendations and full-on reports that justify those recommendations. And we also write research on the private market. So my job essentially right now is I'm on the client facing team. So I manage a book of business and my, my goal right now is to make sure that our clients are renewing and staying clients of ours each year. But my main job is to make sure that they're paying more each year than they did the, the previous year. So I essentially negotiate for a living. So I'm negotiating contracts, but it, it was nice having those, those other jobs in, in previous years because and studying finance because it's something I I'm familiar with Mm -hmm. you know it's not like I got my degree in marketing and I don't know what what the hell I'm talking about I mean I'm not as smart as some of these these analysts when it comes to those those REITs and the reports they're they're writing but I know enough to talk my way through a negotiation and get somebody to you know pay nine percent more than they did the previous year when inflation's like two percent so nice no i'm glad i'm glad you like it what's your what would you say is like what's your what's your end goal what's your dream job if you have one my dream job um i don't know if i necessarily have a dream job what i what i'd like to do is throughout throughout my life, continue my education. I think short-term dream job, I'd like to be a financial analyst for either an investment bank or a big property management fund, probably starting as a financial analyst with the company I work for now. After you get your CFO? Yeah. So my company now 
if the CFA exam, which is Certified Financial Analyst, is a three-level exam, takes about two and a half years to get. And that's essentially what investment banks and these big financial firms are looking for when they're hiring financial analysts. So because my the company I work for now is going to pay for that exam, I think that that's sort of my stepping stone now into getting into a higher paying job, something that's a, a bit more more interesting. And then ultimately I'd like to like to invest and I don't know whether I'd want to own like an investment management firm or be some sort of fund manager, but I mean, realistically, I don't want to ever stop working. I think my dream job is to, is to build up enough wealth and credibility with the world that I can maybe be a consultant, you know, grow my investments over time, start my own consulting firm. I think, um, do you know what ESG is? No, I don't. So ESG is uh, environmental and social governance. So that's that's something that has come about in the past five to ten years, and it's something that um, has gotten pretty popular among among companies. So what that means is like when a company is growing or the things that they buy to build products, like are they sourcing those things from sustainable sustainable resources or are they being socially responsible with how they're how they're running their business okay. essentially is are, are you being a environmentally and socially conscious business okay. rather than just you know profitable just profitable yeah. you know and i think that that's something that's growing a lot and so i think i think it'd be really cool to open up a esg consulting firm essentially teaching teaching companies how to be a company sustainable and just like eco-friendly kind well, of thing well because like a, fu- a financial analyst would look at a company and look at all their assets all those different cash flows and they would say okay this is like an esg positive firm and so i think it would be an esg consulting firm in my mind would be teaching a company how they could be viewed by a financial analyst as a company that's focused on those things okay. rather than you know dumping waste into the river or th- those types of things like yeah. the, the old school companies that you think about that just it's literally for profit as long as you're making profit that's all that matters and i think that in today's d- day and age those those sort of considerations by businesses are really important mm-hmm. i mean we've seen it in the past yeah. two years yeah. some of those companies that don't take those things into account i mean they get shit on yeah now the consumers are pretty smart about who they buy stuff from now if the company realizes that they can leverage that to their own use absolutely i didn't i didn't know you were about that esg yeah i think i think it'd be a good move i like it i like it so i'm gonna start wrapping this up with a few final questions how should someone coming you know straight from college into the workforce go about choosing what job they want to take uh should they take the highest paying one the one that's most related to the career they want to go into um what would you what would you tell them definitely look at your options i mean one of the things that i realize now that i didn't necessarily realize in when i graduated when i was looking at job offers cuz i was sort of thinking with my head in the clouds i guess but I think using a job as a stepping stone and sort of trying to plan out those moves in the future. I mean, not your first job is not going to be your dream job, right? I mean, it's just 
that's just not how it works yeah. for the for the most part. Occasionally, people land that stuff and and great for them, but I think usually no. Yeah, and I think general trajectory. For example, like I think my the company I work for now is a good stepping stone for me to get to my end goal of having an ESG consulting firm because they're going to pay for my CFA. And so once I become a financial analyst, I'll be qualified to be able to have those opinions. And when, when companies look at me, when they're looking to hire a consultant, they'll be like, okay, this guy is a, is a certified financial analyst. He knows what he's talking about. And so it's a stepping stone for me because right now it, it pays the bills. I like the job itself. Yeah. It's not where I want to be in right now or in the future. I mean, it is where I want to be right now, but it's not where I want to be 10 years from now, but it's yeah. going to help me get there because yeah. I can get my CFA. You're not going to retire there, you know? Yeah. And I, I think I'm probably more grateful for the job because I view it as a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. Like for me, the day-to-day work, yeah, I like it, you know, and it's not, it doesn't suck at all. But what, what I see it as is, okay, they're going to pay for me to be able to do this. And then in the future, I can leverage that as future experience. So it makes me a lot more happy working in my day-to-day knowing that this is what I'm working towards and this company is going to help me get there. Mm-hmm. So I think using a job as a stepping stone is really important and viewing it as that. Yeah, especially if they pay for your CFA. Yeah, I mean, it's not that it's a it's a crazy expensive exam, I think. No, it's just the fact that they're like willing to, like they're betting on you. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. And I think that's really important too when you're looking for uh, jobs out of school too. Is like you don't, I mean, people say this all the time when you're like looking on LinkedIn and stuff. Like you you really, yeah, they're interviewing you, but you really are interview, interviewing them as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I had heard that so many times when I, when I left college, but I didn't really like understand it, you know, because I was like, oh, cool. I'm thankful to have a job. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Luckily, I like my job right now and like I get get the autonomy I want, get the sort of freedom of decision making. You know, I've got some got some leeway and things I can negotiate and like, yeah, I've got goals, but it's not it's not like I'm doing X, Y and Z every day, you know, and. But yeah, you, you really do have to be be cautious about the jobs you get right out of school because if you get locked into, I mean, a shitty, a shitty boss can make your life hell. Yeah. I think it's pretty important to keep your options open. Um, I think it's completely normal to continue to apply to new jobs after you've gotten more just cause you know, you're getting experience and you just want to dip your feet into different areas. And at the end of the day, you know, worst case scenario, you can always get another solid job paying you a salary and i think it's important to explore to see what else is out there for yourself especially if you're curious what would you say drives you you know how do you maintain that work-life balance while you're studying and how do you you know not overwork yourself and burn yourself out work-life balance is important but i also view my my person, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty, pretty regimented person. Like I wake up, I work, do my thing at work. And then the second I'm done with work, I go to the gym, which is sort of a personal thing for me to keep my sanity so I can keep, keep grinding. And then I come home and, and study. And once I'm done with like my, my set study time, I can, you know, smoke some weed with my friends or play some video games, those types of things. But 
I think I even view my my personal time and who I spend my time with as like not work, but as like I'm working towards something. It's a process. Yeah, it's a process. Like when I when I'm off work, I'm not just sitting there willy nilly doing whatever the hell comes to my mind. Like I'm going to the gym because I like being healthy and I think that it helps me perform better at work and when I'm studying. And then when I'm studying, it helps in the future. So, I mean, work-life balance is super important, but I think the life part should be intentional, not just like wherever the wind blows you. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, perspective. Um, I think that's a good way to look at it just because, you know, we're so young and we have so much time to work. You know, it's better to grind now than to grind later. Um, You know, we have that time later to do those leisure things for fun but um how how do you know what to allocate your time to and what's worth it you know for you in the long term or is it different for everyone yeah and if you if you figure out something like i'm passionate about working out so that as some of my personal time like i'm working towards not any one specific thing but i I love it it helps me keep me sane and like it helps me get my mind off of other things when i'm stressed I don't know. Yeah. Personally, I see working out as, you know, something similar to learning, whereas you can always get better if you wanted to. I think it also shows you, that, you know, that results don't come overnight and hard work really does work. Absolutely. And it provides a, uh, a sort of structure. I really like having a, a decided structure, you know, like a lot of people view structure as like a militaristic structure where you're getting told what to do or like a job structure where you know what to do day in, day out, which I think can get really um, repetitive and boring. But I think if you make your own structure, I think, I mean, a lot of people talk about waking up early in the morning, you know, making your bed or whatever, having like a to-do list for the day. And I think that's important, like having your own structure because you're not being told by someone else. Yeah, you're like you're like giving yourself your own framework and it's like, okay, if you do this, you'll be good. Yeah, it, and it's a lot easier to follow that framework when, when you decide it, right? You want to and you almost beat yourself. Like the days that I don't go to the gym or I, I wake up a little later than I, I wanted to, there's nobody I'm accountable to besides myself. Like that's that's it. And even on those days, I'm like, you shit. feel bad? Yeah, I do. Because it's something like I decided for myself. And when I don't do those things, it feels bad. But also, it's kind of cool knowing that you are accountable to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that concludes the episode with Mike. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. I want to say thank you for all the positive feedback you guys gave me after the first episode. This one took quite a while to get out, but I promise there will be more in shorter time spans. I have an awesome guest in mind, so hopefully you guys will love it. But I have this whole thing set up in my garage now, you know, two separate mics. Shout out Nick for telling me my audio sucked. Check out the Kobe tributes I have posted on my website if you haven't yet. Proceeds, all the proceeds to this will be going towards a youth summer camp that my friend Tiffany and I have started it's called young inspire so if you want to learn more about that it's on the website until next time peace